0: Good morning, Four Oaks. I'm Paul Gilbert. If we haven't met each other, I'm the lead pastor. So glad you are here. You can open your Bibles to the book of Jude. Jude is a tiny little book, the fifth shortest in the Bible. It's right before Revelation. You can flip there, and and as you're doing so, don't know if you saw the the news report this week. It seems like a new one comes out every week about the outbreak of previously eradicated childhood diseases. So there's places in the Northwest, California, Alaska, um, recently, in fact, recently is this week, where an outbreak of the measles running rampant through the schools, um, the town, they're having to quarantine kids, quarantine schools, quarantine communities. And it seems like this is kind of an emerging story that we, we whether it's mumps or some other disease that we thought we had previously eradicated are reappearing, and we have to ask why. Now, the answer is pretty simple. Many, many parents are opting not to vaccinate their children. Now, I'm not going to wade into the politics of this, okay? That's a personal choice for you to decide. I know there are legitimate concerns. For me, it's a real love your neighbor issue, but the the, the theme of this morning's message is not about childhood vaccinations, all right? The point is we shouldn't be surprised when disease happens in the absence of preventative measures. That disease happens without vaccination. I mean it's it's fairly predictable. And the situation that Jude is writing to in this first century church is a pretty predictable situation. You see, the church has been infected, not with a physical virus, but the church has been infected with something far more lethal, a spiritual virus, the virus of apostasy. And just as a reminder from last week when we talked about this idea of apostasy and agonizing over it, remember, all apostates are unbelievers, but not all unbelievers are apostates. Apostate is a special category of unbeliever. An apostate is someone who has maybe walked the aisle. Maybe they've prayed the prayer. Maybe they have been in church all their life. Maybe they've recited the creed, sung the songs, taken communion, been baptized. They've been a part of the visible church of God, but yet walk away. They defect from the faith. And sometimes these are people that sort of leave the visible church, leave those behind heartbroken and others in despair. Oftentimes, though, they simply remain in the church, and Jude refers to them as godless, which literally means without worship. It's possible to come in here this morning and to worship, yet to be without life, to be without worship. And this is what Jude is addressing and what we've been talking about these past couple of weeks. Now, I've got, a, I've got a confession to make here. I really was thinking that Jude was going to be just a little minor stopover on the way to our next big series going through um, the first half of the book of Genesis, which we're going to start next week, but the week following, I really just thought, well, this is a nice little New Testament tweet. We're going to park it in Jude. We're going to spend a few weeks. We'll get some good nuggets out of it. I have to, I have to admit, God has totally blown me away with this series. And, and what's been particularly surprising is how much this little book seems to have resonated with so many of you. Our church family, I can't tell you the amount of, of feedback just about things that you are learning in this text, things that God is impressing upon your heart. And, and I'm not totally sure what all the dynamics are. Maybe maybe it's because you have loved ones, family, friends who've defected from the faith. Maybe it's that a, not a week goes by and we don't read the story of some high-profile leader falling away or falling into error or being caught in some sort of heinous sin. I, I, I don't know what's sort of drawn us or captured us about this book. But I do know that Jude brings us here to the climax of this message and this book this morning. Because as we walk away from messages like last week about apostasy, we have to ask, Lord, what do we do? Lord, I don't want that to be me. I don't want that to be my family. I don't want that to be my children. I don't want that to be my friends. I don't want that to be my church. I, I want to have a heart set aside for you, fully devoted to you. I want to end well. I can't tell you, as I age, get older, the difference in the pastor's meetings that we would have collectively here in town or at conferences, how they change. That when you're when I was in my 30s, it was all about what amazing things God wanted to do through us. Wasn't that humble of us? What amazing things he wanted to do. Now it's God, will you keep us? Will you keep us? Can we be faithful? Can we persevere to the end? Can we not bring shame upon your name? Can we, can we just be normal? Can we be average? Can we be obscure? That's and maybe you resonate with that as you get older. You just want to be faithful and endure to the end. And, and Jew totally gets this. And that's why he's going to talk to us this morning about what it means to be vaccinated against the virus of apostasy. And all the doctors, I know there's viruses incurable and there's not vaccinated. You get what I'm saying, right? Vaccinated against the virus of apostasy. I'm going to invite you to stand. This is a great text, maybe a well-known text for you. We're going to be In verses 17 through 25, these are Jude's parting words to the church. And they're his parting words to us. He says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forever. Let's pray. Lord, we really pray that you would speak to us this morning, that we would have ears to hear. Lord, I I truly believe and I rejoice in the fact that as a whole, we are a church family that, that wants you, that wants to know you, that wants to walk with you, that wants to endure and persevere with you, that wants to bear fruit in you. And so, Lord, as your people, we're just coming before you and we're saying, God, keep us. God, help us. God, show us what it means to walk faithfully with you. We'll do it. Whatever it is, God, we will do it just help us or that's the cry of our hearts this morning and we commit these minutes to you in your name we pray amen you may be seated let me get right to the theological heart of the text there are two truths in this text and really in this book and really in the bible that if you if you don't keep them in tension and if you don't weight them correctly they will have critical, eternal consequences in your life and in my life. And the first truth we find in verse 24, you may have heard it many a time when we've done a benediction here at Four Oaks, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And of course, this echoes verse 3, at the beginning of this text, or actually verse 1 from the beginning of this chapter, when, when Jude begins this letter, remember he says, to those who are called, beloved in God, the Father, and what? Kept for Jesus Christ. Jude sort of stakes out these two pillars on both sides of his letter and says, Christian, the reason you are a Christian is because of Jesus The reason that you are going to stay a Christian is because of Jesus, and the reason you're going to be with me eternally is because of Jesus. Let me put that in in layman's terms here. You take out the Spirit of Christ in any of us, and we're not going to make it. You take out the Spirit of Christ, and every single one of us will shipwreck our lives in some creative means. Whether it's sexual immorality, materialism, apathy, power, self absorption, narcissism, tons of manifestations of this, but take out the Spirit of God and we are just playing religious games. We have no hope. We will not live. We will have no life. We will not survive. And and Jude wants to make that crystal clear for us. That's truth number one. But truth number two is found in verse, verses 20 and 21. Listen to this. He says, but you beloved, and he refers to them as beloved or brothers or sisters over and over again in this text. He says, but you beloved down in verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Hmm. To use expression from the late eighties, things that make you go, hmm, right? Christian, only God can keep you. Christian, keep yourselves in the love of God. So which is it, Pastor Paul? Is this not just another example of the Bible contradicting itself? Is this just like, is James just sort of making this stuff up as he goes? Is James just playing some kind of drinking game in the middle of writing this and he kind of forgets what he wrote? What, what, which is it? Does God keep us or do we keep ourselves? Because let me tell you an assumption, a presupposition that I bring to the Bible, and I hope you bring too. it's reflected in our statement of faith. We believe that the scripture is inspired, it is inerrant, it means it's without error, it's been breathed out by the Holy Spirit, we, which means we believe it is true in all that it affirms. It, the Bible does not correctly interpret it, the Bible does not contradict itself. The Bible is one theme, it is of one whole God has inspired it by his Holy Spirit. We also make the assumption because of all this, Jude is not stupid, right? It's not like Jude forgot what he just wrote. But what it does mean is that we've got to dig. We've got to dig deep. We've got to get to the heart of the text. We've got to be patient. We've got to park it for a minute. We can't just sort of Precious moments, Bible verse, this sort of thing, you know, a devotional thought of the day. We we have to camp out on it. Saw a story, there was there was some sort of dating, one of the major dating apps, I don't know which one it was, and I was introduced to this term called swiping. Do you know what swiping means? I'm sure all the all all the all the Instagrammers do. Swiping is what happens when you're on a on a matching dating app and you can scroll through all the suggestions that they give you for someone you might want to be with, right? And if you don't like the initial appearance of that person, what do you do? You swipe, okay? They're gone into the, I don't know, to the iCloud, somewhere. They're, 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 they're done. Well, this particular app eliminated that feature because they said too often people were just blowing through profiles without taking a slow, methodical, cur- that was so kind of them, right? Current look. In other words, it makes you open up their profile and before you can dismiss them, you have to... You have to actually read who they are and think about it and study it a little bit. Guys, a lot of times my fear is that that's the way we approach the Bible. We're just sort of thumbing through. We're just sort of swiping through. And we get to things like this and we're like, oh, this is way over my head and this is too theological and too academic. And I, No, no, no. Dig deep. And the question that we have to ask is that is there a way that God keeps us that is certainly related, but entirely different from the way we keep ourselves? That's the question I ask. Not that do they contradict each other. It's like, I don't, they don't contradict each other. What does, what does Jude mean? And if you unpack these two words for keep, you'll find, you'll find that's true. They're, they're actually two different words. Look in verse 21. The word keep... When Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God, means to like watch over, to keep an eye out for, to keep the affairs of your home running in order, like keep house, that sort of thing. Verse 24, where it says, him who is able to keep you, the word there means to provide protection from external attack like building a fortress, an impenetrable fortress that no one can conquer. See, these are different kinds of keeping. It's it's kind of like saying, the police are keeping your house, keeping your house safe so that you can keep your yard mowed and manicured. I don't know if anybody manicures their yard, but God bless you if you do. See, the police are keeping this whole situation safe so that you can attend to the affairs of your own home and what you are doing. The first enables the second. You know, let me try to tie these together to what Judah's is talking about. Guys, perseverance, making it to the end, is a sovereign work of God. God alone is able to do that. When you get to the end of your life, and you are on your deathbed, and you're thinking back to, the, to, to where you are, and that you love the Lord Jesus, and that you're still trusting in him, you will not say, man, I did an awesome job. Like, I was super faithful. Like I mean, like, man, I was 100% the whole way. Not, no doubt in my mind. No, 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 no. You're going to look back, if you're honest, and say, it was all of grace, right? It was all of grace, If it was up to me, if I was the decisive factor in this whole thing, I would have ruined my life multiple times over. Yet, there are specific things that God has designed for you and I to do that are his way of keeping us. So in other words, what means, what instruments does God use to keep you? Theologians call this means of grace. It's the way that God sustains you, the way that he keeps you. It doesn't just happen by osmosis. It's not not magical thinking. There are actual things, and we're going to unpack these in the book of Jude, that Jude calls us to do that have been ordained, orchestrated, designed by God to keep you in the faith. So that when you get to the end of your life, though, you will not say, man, I was such a great prayer. I was such a great reader of the word. I did a ton of fellowship. I was, you know, all those things. No, you'll say it was the grace of God. And through his grace, he enabled me to do these things. Let me give you an illustration. So this year is the 75th anniversary of D-Day, June 6, 1944, where the largest invasion in the history of the world took place. Think about this for a second. 13,000 aircraft, 5,000 ships, 160,000 men and women makes the Mythological Greek invasion of Troy looked like rubber duckies in a bathtub, right? This was a massive deal. And historians, decades later, will look at this from a big picture perspective and they will say, in terms of sheer numbers, in terms of sheer numbers and the mass of force and planning and supplies and resources that went into this, ultimate victory at that moment was assured. Certainly there was going to be a great cost of life and certainly it was a matter of how costly. But the reality was that when the allied forces committed that extent of resources in men and women into action, ultimate victory was at some point going to be achieved. To which we could say, well, then perfect, end of story. No need to fight the battle, right? Hardly. See, Men still had to take the beach. What would have happened if the first soldiers in their landing craft had refused to get off the boats? What if the boys of Pont de Hook had refused to scale the cliffs? See, for victory to happen, the plan still had to be executed. What they did was vitally important. Well, please hear this. this is so important. And understand, if they had not done it, the battle would not have been won. And this illustrates, I think, somewhat imperfectly, the biblical tension that you and I are called to live into. Here's the way Paul describes what Jude is talking about, Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, now listen, so now, not only as in my presence But much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Just a different way of saying, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep on. Keep on praying. Keep on reading that Bible. Keep on persevering. Keep on communing. Keep on calling out to me. Now in verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see that? Because God works in you, now you can work out your salvation with fear and trembling. His keeping you, Four Oaks, is decisive. Our keeping is dependent. But Jude wants to make it crystal clear what we are called to do the ways that we are kept, the means of grace that God calls each and every one of us from a human perspective to be vaccinated against the virus of apostasy. What needs to characterize our life that when we get to the end, we can look back and we can say, by the grace of God, this is what he has done in my life. And, there's, and we're going to say four things about this sort of quickly. So here we go. Number one, it's going to require you and I to have a specific mindset. Look at verse 17, a specific mindset. He says, remember the predictions of the apostles. So apparently these were first generation Christian Jews who had been taught personally by the apostles. And apparently these same apostles, we don't know which ones exactly, had warned them about apostasy. Now, when you read the the rest of the New Testament, you know this is not a peripheral theme. It's not a peripheral warning. We see Paul in 1 Timothy 4, Acts chapter 20. We even see Jesus himself. If you want to know where the apostles got this, they got it from Jesus himself who said in Matthew 24, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. This is something that... The early church had to constantly remind itself of that if it can happen to the people closest to Jesus, Judas, Demas and Paul, Alexander and Paul, a whole cacophony of of desertions that surround the ministries of the early apostles. Well, of course it's going to happen in the 21st century church. This is because, as Jesus says, there have always been and always will be scoffers. Now, what is a scoffer? When we look down in verse 17, 18 here. A scoffer is not someone who is ignorant of God's word. A scoffer is someone who knows God's word but holds it in disdain. See, scoffers can be well-informed about their theology, well-informed about the Word of God. But listen to what one of my old professors, Dr. Kissemacher, had to say about scoffers. He said, scoffers openly demonstrate their contempt and derision for God by following their own ungodly desires. They deliberately reject God's judgment and opt for a lifestyle of sin. Do you get that? Scoffers are, are people who might agree with you 100% theologically and could pass their catechismal exam. But their will, their heart is corrupt because they say, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You know, there, I, I'm someone, and if any of you are into personality tests and Enneagrams, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the number seven. I'm the ESTP on the Myers-Briggs. I'm the guy that's happy-go-lucky, the enthusiast. I love to see the the positive of every situation. And, you know, I love to think the best about people. And I'm always the one that is the most shocked to find out that so-and-so has walked away from the faith or that so-and-so has made shipwreck of their life. So-and-so has deserted their family. So-and-so has turned their back on the wife of their youth. But I've just kind of come to the realization after reading passages like Jude, I should stop being shocked. I should be grieved, but I shouldn't be shocked. See, even studies show us that it's very, very, very difficult to tell if someone is lying or not. Incredibly difficult. Jude is telling this why? Telling us this why? To be on guard. To be on guard, Christian. To keep yourselves in the love of God. Be on guard for you, yourself, your family. Apostasy is a virus that will in this life, listen, never be completely eradicated. It will always be with us. It will always rear its head. It reared its head in heaven when Lucifer says, no more. It reared its head when Judah says, I'm walking away. And it rears its head today. And so one thing Jude would tell us that's going to be vitally important for keeping ourselves in the faith is standing guard, being alert, not going to sleep on the post, not being surprised, girding ourselves up. Number two, second thing that's going to be important for us, would be what we would call particular disciplines. Okay, look at verses 20 and 21 for a second. Let's sort of unpack what Jude is saying here. He says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, the way the, the langu- original language is constructed, it could be read just like this. Christian... Keep yourself in the love of God by doing these two things. Or Christian, you are kept in the love of God by these two activities. And here they are. Number one, building yourself up in the holy faith, in the most holy faith. And number two, praying in accordance with the Holy Spirit. So building yourselves up in the faith, praying in the Holy spirit. We want to, we want to understand what, what Jude is referring to here specifically. Now this word faith we've seen in verse three before, look back at verse three, if you have your Bibles, when he says, I found it, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the what faith once for all delivered to the saints. Same word. This is not subjective faith. Does that make sense? This is not not speaking primarily about personal faith, although that's clearly in view. What actually Jude is talking about is the body of truth, the Christian faith. He's talking about the, the word of God that has been delivered to the saints once and for all. We've seen him quote extensively from the Old Testament, so that's in view. He's telling us again and again, listen to the apostles. Listen to their teaching. Clearly, the New Testament is in view. What is Jude saying? He's saying, build yourself up. In other words, construct a spiritual house that will endure. Let me say, Pastor Paul, I I want my spiritual house to endure. So here's what Jude says. Read and listen to your Bible. Understand, this is not a suggestion. Jude does not leave a little post-it note on your mirror to remind you in the morning. This is not eighth on your list of priorities. This is a command. This is an imperative. It It is meant to communicate a sense of urgency. Christian Keep yourselves in the love of God by building yourselves up in my word, in my holy faith, in the the doctrine of truth once for all delivered to the saints. See, the word Jude seems to be saying is a firewall between you and apostasy, between you and falling away. And the reason this is true, I love the way that Jude refers to the body of truth as the most holy of faith. Why does James refer to the word of God, meaning the Old Testament and the apostles' teaching reflected in these 66 books? Why does he call this most holy? He doesn't call it most holy just because it's perfect, although it is. He calls it holy because it's different because it's set apart. This is not the world's wisdom. You see, some of us maybe are contemplating decisions right now that are being made without reference in any way to God and his word just because it seems right or it feels right. And we have weighty decisions in the areas of sexuality and marriage and divorce and ethics. And we have to remember what Solomon warned us about related to making decisions in our own wisdom. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man. See, it seems right. This seems so good, Pastor Paul. We we love each other. This seems so right, we're so miserable, surely God wouldn't keep us together. This seems so right, if I just took this financial shortcut, I could get ahead. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is the way, its, way, its end is the way to death. See, apostasy begins when people lose touch with the word. Apostasy also begins when people lose touch with prayer. Let's look back at the text. Building yourselves up by praying in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means simply praying in the Spirit means praying word-saturated prayers. It means getting on your knees, calling out to God. It means beseeching God for him to make this alive in your heart it means praying in the spirit is a is a rallying cry it's a guttural call to god to to bring life to your bones praying in the spirit sometimes means laying prostate before god and saying i can't even pray Lord, I'm so low. I'm so discouraged. I don't know what to pray. And you know what Romans 8 says? That's prayer. That's prayer. That's the Holy Spirit interceding on your behalf. Praying the things you don't even know you should be praying. The Holy Spirit is praying them and interpreting them for you. See, praying in the Holy Spirit means asking God for help. See, faith is not perfunctory mealtime prayers. Although if they're heartfelt mealtime prayers, I commend them to you. See, praying in the Spirit means seeking after the face of God. And make no mistake, there is no apostate seeking after the face of God. I want to say a couple of provocative things then I'll, bl- I'll quote somebody else and blame them for these, okay? So I'll say a couple of provocative things. Number one, there are some prayers God does not listen to. There are some prayers that God does not listen to. If you are praying something contrary to the Word of God, God, just give me a peace about living with my boyfriend. God, I need a peace in my soul about cheating on my income taxes, I just, God, you know I love you, and I, I God, give me a piece about this thing. God does not hear that prayer. He hears prayers that are in accordance with his word. Number two provocative thing, this I'll blame on John Piper. He says this, there are no prayerless people in heaven. There's no prayerless people in heaven. See, the, the ordained means of reading God's Word and, and praying to God, it's not what saves you, but it's what saves people do. It's what kept people do. And, and any time that, that this begins to recede from our life, we need to hear the warnings of Jude. That's the way God designed His Word. See, prayerlessness always accompanies apostasy. Because the apostate makes his own way, does what is, what is right in his own eyes, makes his own decisions, leans upon his own wisdom. A third thing we want to say about what it means to keep yourselves in the love of God is being a part of a purposeful community. Now I'm going to quote Mark Dever. This is really provocative. If you don't like it, he said it. If you like it, I said it. There you go. He says this. If you're not a member of a local church, he says you might be going to hell. Now, which, That seems super extreme, super legalistic, super... What, what, what's his point? He just says your attitude towards Christian community and towards the church, not signing your name on a membership card, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying, but if, you're, if your view of the church is that it is peripheral at best... It is one stop on the way to shopping at Publix. It's just, I, when, I, when I need whatever the church is offering, I'm going to stop and pick some of that up. But otherwise, it's, I mean, who lives at Publix? I mean, it would be nice, let's be honest, okay? Who lives at Publix? Okay, you, is there people are raising their hand? Okay. Unless something's wrong with you, you don't live at Publix. You go to Publix when you need something. Is that your view of Church? Or even of church membership. See, church membership is just a way of uniting our hearts to a community of people. But see, Jude says the people of God, the local church, the body, are crucial in keeping yourself in the love of God. Do you know that the local church is to be the primary relational reality in sustaining your faith? Jude talks about three interactions That have to characterize what's happening in the local body. And number one, look at verse twenty two. First of all, have mercy on those who are who doubt. In other words, there are those here this morning who are really weak, you are really struggling, you are desperate for God to show up in your life, and you feel like you are failing. And James says, oh, the door is open wide. Let's sit. Let's have that cup of coffee. Let's, let's unpack what's going on. Let's encourage each other. Let's come alongside. Let's lift up. Let's pray. Let's have mercy. See, God has mercy on the one who, need, who knows they need mercy. It's the proud that God turns his back on who don't think they need him. So this community always has to be a place where we encourage one another because we are weak. That is every single one of us. Is there someone in your life that you are encouraging? Is there someone in your life that is encouraging you? Number two, look at verse 23, a different kind of interaction. Jude says to save others by snatching See, sometimes we are so foolish, we are so hard-hearted, we are so dumb that we don't need to be taken out to coffee, do we? We need to be taken behind the woodshed. We need someone to look at us in the eye because they love us and say, brother, you're in a really, you're in a really hard place here. You're in a really perilous place here. Man, what's going on? Talk to me about what's in your heart. I see the way that you're treating your wife. I see the way that you're treating your kids. I see, the, I see how much you're working. I see, I see what you're neglecting. I see you hadn't really been connected to the body of Christ. Tell me, tell me what's happening in your heart. See, John Calvin put it this way. He said, when there is a danger of fire, you gotta love, You got to love the ancients, don't you? When there is a danger of fire, we hesitate not to snatch away violently whom we desire to save. In other words, your house is burning down, what are you doing, parents? You're running in to grab them and you're snatching them. For it would not be enough to beckon with the finger or kindly to stretch forth the hand. You know, so-and-so, you might just want to think about not with that woman at the office. You just to consider it. Pray about it. You know, so, so just, just... I know that pornography is, is you know, bad, but I mean, I mean, just consider if it's healthy for you. See, you do not have to pray about that one. You don't have to pray about that one. When that's happening in the body of Christ, Jesus says, snatch them away. To pick them up, literally, and move them to safety. Is there anyone in position... To be able to snatch you when necessary? Is there, are you close enough to others that you can snatch them? There's the final and third category. This one's a little bizarre sounding. It's found in verse 23. He says, To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. Now, that term, "garment stained by flesh, there's, there's just no politically correct way to tell you what he's talking about here. These are basically filthy, soiled undergarments full of bodily excrements. I quoted that right from the commentary. And when you think about that, it's like moms and dads, when you go into your, your kid's room to, to, to collect their laundry... Sometimes you want to do it with a pitchfork, right? You just like, you want to get in there and like, I don't want to touch anything. I got the, you know, the Aztec people, I got my, my gloves on, you know, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to even touch. And James says, sometimes there's people who are struggling with sins that are so dark, so heinous, so enticing that we have to exercise due caution when we're helping them. See, sometimes we want to identify so much with someone's struggle that we ourselves can end up being enticed. Sometimes we want to rush in and play the hero. And what people need is not more of you, they need more of God and we can get caught up in all this, and it can become a really unhealthy thing. Jude's saying, don't help. Oh, absolutely help, but, but help in what way? Look back at the text. Show mercy, he says, absolutely, but with fear. What does that mean? It means a holy fear. It means guarding your own heart, not riding in to help people cavalierly, but prayerfully, carefully, in community. James says, These, This is going to be important for you, church, that your lives be characterized by a purposeful community if you were to keep yourselves in the love of God. Last one, this will be quick. Jude does speak about an absolute assurance. You may be coming here saying, Pastor Paul, oh my gosh, this is this is heavy. You don't believe in assurance, do you, Pastor Paul? You don't believe in eternal security. I absolutely believe in assurance. I absolutely believe in eternal security. But just like James, I believe that the reason you can engage in the fight for faith today, Christian. Is because Jesus has already won the victory for you. See, this is not about you do 50% and God does 50%. That's not what we're talking about here. We're saying that God, Jesus has done 100% at the cross. He has paid your your penalty. He he has, has laid down his life for your apostasy. He has... He has shed His blood for every single one of your sins. And as He gives you life through His Spirit, He now stands guard at your heart. And He says, I'm going to keep you. You can bank on that. And we know that God is keeping us when we, through His Holy Spirit, are compelled to be in community to read his word, to pray. They are the means that God uses to keep us in him. But ultimately, this is all, every last bit, depended upon the sovereignty of God. And there is a promise here. Look in verse 24. He's the one that's able to keep you from stumbling. He's the one that presents you blameless. On that day, the Lord Jesus returns. And because of that, now you in the power of the Spirit can move boldly towards God. Building yourselves up in faith through the Word and prayer. Being alert, running towards community, fighting for faith. Not so that God will keep you, but because God is keeping you you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus.